Cancel culture is real. CrossPolitik is on the front lines of this battle with the goal of creating a Christian television network and platform where we can't be canceled and where content creators will have the freedom to glorify God. Our goal is to create a space for like-minded businesses to thrive on this platform and to reach an audience that will not only buy your products and services, but also support your business when the heat of cancel culture comes your way. We want our platform to help you create an anti-fragile business as we bring together Christians from all over the world to tune in. With millions of downloads a year, access to DirecTV, Xfinity, and social media outlets, we are excited to partner with you. So, if you own a business and believe in this vision, then you need to call me. I'm Garrison Hardy, and I am the business development rep at CrossPolitik and the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. We are looking for businesses, large or small, that not only have great products and services, but also understand that the cultural battle that is impacting the business climate here and now. I have a background in marketing, and I'd love to help you advertise your business on CrossPolitik. Give me a call at 208-792-1290 or email me at garrison at fightlaughfeast.com. I did the customary drink. Straighten out the mug. The founders. Yes, sir. Hey, y'all. Water break is here. It's Thursday evening. Our new time. We're actually dropping. We, we're changing teams pretty regularly. Times. And um, so now we're dropping at 7 p.m. And the reason why we're dropping at 7 p.m. now on Thursdays is because our midweek fix is on Wednesday at Thursday. Water break Thursday at Wednesday. And then the Sunday special is Sunday at 7. So we're, we're just trying to make it easy on everybody. 7 o'clock Pacific time, 10 o'clock Eastern time. So it is good to be with you. Please welcome comedian next door, John Branion, to the show. Uh, at 7 o'clock. It's great to be here at 7 o'clock. Um, it's actually 10 o'clock my time. I live in the future. There we go. You got a, you got a crowd bringing you in. <laughs> I that's some good clap in there. It's very rhythmic. <laughs> it's very kind of like monarchy. Uh, almost sounds like a Marxist clap, you know, all together in rhythm. It does. It sounds like they've practiced. Like <laughs> yes, they've, it does. Like they've assembled a clapping choir and they've uh, worked on it a little bit. That's right. So, so, John, you don't even know this. So this is new to you, too, and new to our audience. But uh, uh, Joe Boot is now dropping a podcast on our network. And so you got to down. The only way to get... Joe's uh, podcast. You got to download the app, uh, and since he's he's Canadian or Joe, I mean Joe Boots, he's really British. I think some sort of like he's he's very confused, but he's living in Canada, mm-hmm. and so his podcast in the app. You click on Canada in the app, like this is my my hand is pretending to be the app. You click uh-huh. on Canada, and you can find um, Ezra Institute podcast for cultural reformation. So he is uh, now dropping on the podcast, but it ha- you have to go to the app. He's not on our podcast feed. We're doing a bunch of technology stuff from behind the scenes that we're working on and trying to bring everything together. Um, but right now, you can go to our go to your app store, download the Fight Laugh Feast app, and you can get Ezra Institute podcast for cultural reformation. John, were you you were at the rally in um, South Dakota when when Joe Boot came? Did you get to hear yes. Joe? Um, I don't think I was uh, there when he spoke. I, th- I think he was the first speaker to get a standing ovation at a at the rally. Wow! Yeah, that was really good. Yeah, great talk. Oh. And it's in it's in a club portal, so people can people who are club members can go watch it. There's really no reason not to have the app at this point, is there? 
No. I mean, there, there may be some people out there who think that they've got a, a good reason. I'm not going to download the app. I don't have space on my phone. I don't have, you know, I'll have to delete some pictures or whatever. Or Facebook. But, yeah, none of those. So if you delete Facebook. But really, there's there at this point, there's no excuse it's true. to not have the app. It's kind of like, um, uh, you, you know, one of those survival knives. That's a, it's, that's a good analogy. It's, very much like a survival knife, I guess. Um, if you, well, there's, there's things on the app, like my podcast. Um, we do a special uh, episode called House Guest, where we bring in interesting people and have conversations with them. I've that's never, I've never available. been on there. I've never been on there. Well, uh, that's because we not interesting. So interesting. I'm not people. interesting. <laughs> no, it's, it has nothing to do with we're not interesting. You want to come on? You want to come on the house? Guest <laughs> I'll episode? come on. I'll come on. All right, we'll do it. Um, we had a uh, we had a guy on there today who got canceled. He he goes around to schools and uh, does talks about how to helps kids um, not be bullied. Wow. Um, Chris Schufel, his name, great guy, okay. but he got canceled because uh, somebody at the school where he was uh, speaking was annoyed with what he said. And so they went to the principal and it was funny. The principal said that, yeah, we're, we're going to have you back after the talk was over. He goes, we, we want to have you come back. That was perfect. That was beautiful. And then uh, several of the teachers came together and, and attacked the principal and said that guy was uh, unacceptable. And so he wow. called Chris back and said, yeah, we're not going to be able to have you come back. Wow. So that's the kind of stuff we're doing. But those those house guest episodes are only available on the fight, laugh, feast app. Those oh. are not on, on the other, uh, podcast. Nice. Streams, so that's good. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. House guest. Okay. Comedian next door house guest episodes. Yep. Okay. That, that's good to know. Thank you, John. Um, yep. it, so it sounds like he kind of got bullied in return by getting canceled. He, he, he did get bullied. That was the irony is he yeah. gave a whole talk about how to stand up to bullies. And then the, uh, the teachers bullied him and the principal Ridiculous. and got the whole thing shut down. All right. Well, this brings me, this kind of brings me to my, my message, my monologue for you today, for you, John, and for you and for the guy, um, uh, the teachers and the, the principal who's bullying here. Um, folks, Christians have neglected the God given command to take dominion. We have neglected the, I think kind of even the earthiness of, of it. We kind of have to spiritualize what it means to take dominion um, if in the earthiness, if that's a word. you know, um, uh, when, when God made Adam and Eve, he gave the command to take dominion over all the earth. And he did not limit that command to the four walls of our church or what happens inside our house. In fact, um, when God you know, gave this command in Genesis one twenty eight. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so, you know, God gave Adam and Eve, God gave humans, God gave mankind uh, the charge to subdue it, subdue it all, and have dominion over it all. There's no there's no wiggle room in what to have dominion over or what to subdue and what not to. And I want to I want to take this principle of dominion and apply it to media and technology since that's the world me and John are in. And and for the last 40 years mainstream media and I I I think I've said this before on the show. I like to talk about the last 40 years cuz that's when I've been alive. Um it's what my experience has been. 
Um, and it kind of brings us up to what's relevant going on right now. For the last 40 years, mainstream media has been controlled by leftists and compromised conservatives, at best compromised conservatives. And that, I think that kind of sounds like the church a little bit. It's been controlled by liberals and a compromised conservatives. <laughs> you know, a little bit. Just, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you know that's another another topic for another day. Um, and now the last two years, big tech has gone into cancel culture mode, aided and abetted by Democrats and snowflake conservatives. Again, that kind of sounds like the church again. I keep another topic <laughs> going going so far to cancel the president of the United States Twitter accounts and social media accounts, and then of course all the way to our our YouTube account. In fact, you can't watch. Water break right now on YouTube because we're canceled until November. So you got to go to Rumble or you got to download the app or you got to go to Facebook or you, you got to go to um, a podcast catcher to get this show because Facebook has suspended us right now. And uh, and the liberals have applauded this and even and even at sometimes at some points have gaslighted conservatives saying that big tech is even handed with their censorship, which is which is not not true at all. Um, Louis Farrakhan still on Facebook, you know. Uh, the Taliban's director of communications is still on Twitter. I mean, it's like not not even true at all. Um, maybe if cross politic would walk around with Molotov cocktails, we'd still be on YouTube. Let's try it. <laughs> Let's see what reaction we get. Uh, now, this past week, okay, you probably heard about this, John. This past week, a whistleblower has emerged out of Facebook, and I you can't read my text here, but whistleblowers in quotes, right? And and, and the reason why whistleblowers <laughs> right. in quotes is because. Um, well, this whistleblower, you know, emerged out of Facebook, claiming that Facebook is hiding research that shows Facebook and Instagram are a public health problem. More, on, more on that later, and claiming that Facebook cares more about profits than the supposed lies. You know, Facebook is is disseminating. You know, they care they care more about profits than you know the public health um, side of things. And 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 make make no mistake. Let me just put it this way: make no mistake. This is not a genuine whistleblower. Okay, not no way a genuine whistleblower. That, You're kidding. Yeah, seriously. You know, you you kind of you kind of got the uh, tip when when she was like all over, um, you know, CNN, MSNBC, all over media, and and um, James O'Keefe and Project Veritas can't even get any airtime on CNN, right. and they're talking about <laughs> abortificant fetal tissue being used in the vaccine and being covered up. You know, it's like right. Mm, anyways. <laughs> I, I digress this again. The official. This is the official whistleblower of Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, the official one. She she probably still has a blue check mark on Facebook. <laughs> it probably says whistleblower on her office door. That's right. Yeah, that she still gets when she goes to Facebook. Her her yeah. yeah. Well, she did. She did step down in uh, May. So mm-hmm. Frances Hagen. I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with Hagen. Um is she's a leftist I, I really think she's a leftist plant she re, i really think she is uh, she's donated to the aoc campaign she's donated to uh, i think over 30 democrats in the last number of years on her website she describes herself as an advocate for public oversight of social media on her own own domain and and now she's working with the pr firm that is connected to jen pisaki I know people like to say Saki, but I think that's wrong. It's Pasaki. You pronounced the P. Well, her her name is her last name is spelled P S A K I, and 
And so I think we should all pronounce the P. <laughs> you know, of course, that's Bi- Vice, uh, Vice President Biden. Can we, can we call him Vice President, John? <laughs> yep. President Camilla Harris and Vice President Joe Biden. Um, that's uh, Biden's communications director, um, Pasaki. And so uh, Francis is working with this PR, her uh, PR firm that's connected to Pasaki. Okay, well, get this. She worked at Facebook until May, which means she worked at Facebook during a portion, not all of it, during a portion of the Russia misinformation campaign against Donald Trump. She worked at Facebook during the Hunter Biden laptop scandal. Um, She worked at Facebook during the COVID debacle, the suppression of information around antibodies, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, um, and, and the initial vaccine rollout and more. So, you know, there's all sorts of red flags you could throw up there, and she didn't throw up any because she's a leftist commie. And then in her testimony, I, John, did you listen to her testimony? No. Well, I got a, I got a couple gems of quotes here. Um, during her testimony, um, she said, left alone, Facebook will continue to make choices that go against the common good, our common good. I wonder how she defines that. And then she goes on to say, when we realized big tobacco was hiding the harms it caused, the government took action. When we figured out cars were safer with seatbelts, the government took action. When our government learned that opioids were taking lives, the government took action. So she's kind of arguing that you know Facebook is is like the tobacco companies, is like a seatbelt, is like you know it's like you're you're a public health problem and the government needs to come in and 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 construct the proper seatbelt for facebook that's what she's arguing for protect us the government needs to come in and protect us from facebook you know big tobacco i mean it's it's, it's such a silly comparison to compare facebook and big tobacco Mm -hmm. you know facebook and and, well seatbelts i have a problem with the government telling me to wear a seatbelt and i have a problem with the government telling big tobacco what to what to do um and the government has solved the opioid crisis. Yeah, I, I was. I wondered if we were going to circle back to that. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think. think the, I don't think the government has. The, the government has maybe stepped in, but it hasn't fixed anything. Right. Still going around, and then there's this gem of a quote from her testimony. Get this is this is probably the the what takes the cake here. She says um, right now. Oh, and she got she got pulled in to testify in front of Congress by uh, the Democratic Committee. I forget what it's actually called, but I come to find out she's also donated to the committee, to the Democratic mm-hmm. Committee that also encouraged um, Congress to bring her in and testify. So that was that was another fun little thing. But anyways, she goes on to say this right now: the only people in the world trained to analyze these experiences. She's talking about you know um, analyzing. Facebook, the algorithms, the public information that's out there, the 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 damage that Facebook has on you know teenage girls, kind of thing. She says um, the only people in the world trained to analyze these experiences are people who grew up inside of Facebook or other social media companies. And then she says there needs to be a regular regulatory home where someone like me could do a tour of duty after working at a place like this. Hmm. So she's appealing to the government, hey, build a seatbelt for Facebook. And, and, and you know what? 
you uh, you know regulatory committee build a regulatory home for Facebook and then you could hire me to work on that regulatory committee. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, how incredibly self-serving is that plea in the middle of this, you know, whistleblower moment? Well, it at first blush, I mean, just immediately when she says the only people who are qualified to analyze this are people who are on the inside, like myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that would that's an immediate conflict of interest. Then you're basically saying that the only people who can, the only people who can even comment about this are, are people like me. That's right. So I'm asking the government to empower me <laughs> to basically do whatever I think is the right thing to do. I mean, it, just appoint me as overlord That's right. of social media. Um, and I don't believe for a second that Facebook is not behind this i don't i don't believe that she hasn't been she's been put there by facebook Mm -hmm. so that she can get the government to basically hand over power to her right um and then facebook is in turn going to control her that's exactly the way it's going to work i'm I'm not against that's funny that's that's funny i'm not against that theory my theory here let let me kind of give you a little bit of my theory here um i think the left wants to control facebook um, I think the mainstream media wants to control Facebook. If you remember, before Facebook was created, you know, you had CNN, you had, you know, all the different uh, news websites out there. Well, you would bookmark their website, and every day you'd go to your bookmark website, CNN, and you go read the news for the day. Mm-hmm. Well, when Facebook came along, that became the central hub for where everyone kind of largely gets their news. And so all of a sudden, CNN lost kind of their their bookmark agency on your computer and then had to kind of be filtered through Facebook. And so I think mainstream media wants to control Facebook, which is why I think they've platformed her so much in this last week. If you go, I was looking online before I was, as I was preparing my notes for water break today and all the pictures of her online, like at CNN's website or um, MSNBC or whatever website she's on. It's like this nice photogenic, picture of her where it's obviously like she did all these media shots before this went public so now when they pull in a picture of her it i mean it it looks like like they you know um like she was in a studio or something getting these pictures taken before it went public um and and so i think they want government you know the the left and and the media want government oversight so they can control facebook France, Francis wants to be on the regular regulatory committee, as she basically admitted, that oversees Facebook. And mm-hmm. in other words, she she doesn't have the free market skills to be a CEO, to be an actual CEO. So she'd rather advocate for government regulations that would, in effect, make her CEO over Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook. Like, put me on the regulatory committee where I'm telling Mark Zuckerberg what to do. Um, but as we've pointed out before, you know, Whenever the government or whenever a silly private citizen like Francis asks for a regulatory committee, well, then, you know, just ask the question, who regulates the regulatory committee that regulates Facebook? Who regulates the government that regulates the committee that regulates Facebook? You know, that kind of plea is really is insanity and silly. Um, but that just goes to show you that all all they want is is the power. That's what they want because once they lost control, let's say Francis was put on the regulatory committee, 
and then that regulatory committee, um, they lose control of that. Let's say a bunch of conservatives take it over and then back off Facebook or whatever. Well, once you, once the left loses control of that regulatory committee, well, they're going to want to set up another regulatory committee that has more power over that secondary regulatory committee to tell Facebook what to do. It's all a power play. Right. Well, and regulatory committees are made up of people who are not elected. Um, and that's, that's, right. that's where the real power is. You want, once you get on a regulatory committee, that committee is going to be there if, indefinitely forever. Right. Um, and, and they transfer power to other members of the, to other like-minded members, you know, when it right. gets, gets time to step down or somebody gets in trouble for whatever, then they just hand over power to somebody who is just like them. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I, you're, you, you may be right, but I have a, I have a feeling that there's already the, the power structures already in place and the players are already in place. And now they're just going through the motions of, uh, getting congressional approval and so on. There, there's no, there's just no way that uh, the Facebook organization is going to be vulnerable to having their power taken away from an outside source. Yep. I mean, I just, I don't believe that that's, I don't believe that that's going to happen right. in anybody that, that gets in charge of regulating Facebook. Um, Facebook is ultimately going to be doing the, it's going to be pulling the strings of right. that person. Um, I think it's all theater yeah. for so that we can, so they can say, Oh, look, we're, you know, we're, we're getting government approval. The government is, is on this and they'll, and they'll pretend that it is a uh, bipartisan. They'll mm-hmm. figure they'll pretend that there's a bipartisan support. They'll get Liz sort of Cheney thing. on the panel or something. Right. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, and then the people who are, you know, on the left are going to go. We'll see the the conservatives and the Republicans, and the uh, and the Christian people. They're just never happy. You know, they're never happy. We we got Facebook now that we've got oversight on Facebook. Right. And then and we're going to be saying exactly what you're saying. Yeah, but who is overseeing the overseers? Right. There's still, there there's still not. It's still not honest. Right. It's not right. honest. You've got people at the top who get to call the shots and make the rules and nobody holds them accountable. That, that's exactly right, John. And, and this is why I actually think there's a just, God is just making things easy for Christians to do. If Christians would just, you know, humble themselves before God, if Christians would just be faithful in this moment and see what God is doing, you know, we talked about this on the show Sunday night, you know, Hebrews chapter 12, God is shaking things. Um, so the things that remain will remain. So God's shaking things, the things that shouldn't be remain. God's shaking them away, and the things that will remain will, will, will stay there because God built that on stone. And and so I think God is um, making a play for Christians, opening up. It's like uh, he's making it easy for Christians. Um, and I think Christians need to wage war on, on kind of all hands on deck you know, effort to dominate mainstream media right now. I really think this has got to be one of our focuses. And and part of it, you know, is we we have the light of the gospel in us. Um, you know, we have the light of truth driving our worldview. And and that truth is what we know will set the world free. So um, there's a very foundational reason for that. Um, but also, we're honest. Christians should be honest before God. They should be honest before man. They should be bold before God, bold before man not fear man, all the stuff that's going on in these last couple of years, all the fear and everything that's coming out of mainstream media, God, God is making it, I think, really easy for Christians to come in and present a, a 
a godly message that I think would be really attractive to our current culture right now. And and while big tech and mainstream media are spiraling into chaos, God is giving Christians a real opportunity to take over mainstream media. And this is, and you know, out of all this chaos is, you know, kind of, this is God's divine comedy. You know, God is, I think, parting this Red Sea for Christians to walk through and take over. Um, you know, Fox is this ball of, kind of unprincipled conservatism. I don't believe they believe, I, I don't think they really believe in conservatism. I don't think Sean Hannity is really that principled. I think he's he's got some old guard conservatism in him. Um, but, you know, I would say maybe, maybe Tucker might be, uh, might actually have some principles if you, if you challenged him on it. Um, but overall, Fox doesn't have principles. And, of course, CNN, forget about CNN, you know, forget about MSNBC, forget about those those left wing media organizations. I think God has really made it, given us an opportunity to to take over mainstream media. It's, John, it seems like kind of even more than ever that seems clear. I I think you're right. Um, it really is, as you said, pretty easy to see which side um, we're supposed to gravitate towards. I've I've never been. I've always been uncomfortable saying left or right or conservative Democrat. I prefer to to talk about godless versus ungodless. And if you're uh, sometimes you find yourself allied with people that you weren't necessarily ever expecting to be allied with because they are on the side of of godliness, um, sometimes unintentionally. Right. But it's really as simple as like you said, just being bold and saying the truth, saying what you know to be true, mm-hmm. because nobody is doing that. The culture for decades has been saying things that are uh, popular. They've been they've been trying to say things to gain power and to gain influence over people, and they don't care whether it's true or not. They right. say things to gain power. Right. And so, and the, I think the culture is waking up to that. I think God is, as you say, shaking some people, and um, some of them are, some of them are coming awake, and they're going, "Okay, who is saying true things? Is anybody saying anything true?" That's right. And those voices that are that are standing on principle and are unshakable mm-hmm. um, are going to start to find themselves drawing bigger and bigger crowds because right. humanity has always needed the truth, always. Right. Right. And it's, it's just kind of, um, you know, God is, is done. So uh, exposed so much this last year. And I think people are even Christians, kind of the sheep are waking up in a lot of ways and they're, they're realizing, Oh my, man, my pastor wasn't as courageous as I thought he was going to be, or my elders aren't that courageous. They're buckling. You know, it's like all, all this leadership structure has, I think really kind of woken Christendom up in a lot of ways. And, you know, we're seeing here, you know, we've said this on the show before, but we're seeing, you know, we had a hundred families join our church this last year. You know, <laughs> that's not, that's not a hundred people, you know, some sort of hundred heads of household join our church, fleeing California, fleeing Washington and all this stuff. And I, and I think, I think we need to regroup. I, I basically have come to the conclusion. I know my California buddies don't like this when I say this, but I've come to the conclusion where it's like California, you know, give it, give it to the liberals, let them eat their cake, let them have it. You know, um, 
and and I think Christians need to regroup and get get into communities where you can fight from. Yeah, well, I'm, I do not disagree. I've been I've been talking to my California buddies about leaving for years and years, and I I have some sympathy for people who are in the like the northern and the southern extremes, you know, the the Hollywood and Los Angeles and that center yeah. area is, yeah, right. is where it's the most awful. But there are, you know, there there are Christian people in California who are like, yeah, but my family's here and I don't want to leave my family. And I understand that. Yeah. I have some sympathy for that. Yep. Uh, but I, I, I think you're right. There, Christianity, following Christ has always required making a decision and, uh, sometimes that decision is tough that's right you have to you have to do what's best for your family well so so john i believe you have uh kind of a little um uh monologue or or um what do you call it what do you call it john i don't know i don't know what to call this it was just call it we'll just call it a rant um i had a it's interesting that you were talking about what you were talking about today because i i am firmly on board with you with it's time for Christians to start making a stand and taking over and being bold and assertive. And when you're bold and assertive, you will get in trouble with, I'm just, I'm telling you from firsthand experience, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, Gabe, that you, uh, you get in trouble when you stand up on principle. That's right. Um, And so, but, but we need to stand up on principle anyway. And so I had a, there was a video that a guy put out in the last couple of days and I saw it online and it's a dude in a red dress with a, with a beard uh, and he's got long hair and he's wearing lipstick and he's talking about his pronouns, you know, and he's basically talking to the camera on TikTok. You need to use oh my. my pronouns. My preferred pronouns are they and them. It's a, it's a dude, you right. know, and it, he goes, I know some of you don't like to use those pronouns, but it's very easy. You know, and I'll give you some examples. They look fabulous in that dress. They are a wonderful oh person. And it's just, I, I just couldn't, couldn't take it. Right. And so, so I tried, tried, tried to, uh, to write a response here that is going to, is going to give my point of view. And I try to use their language. And so this is it. <laughs> um, Cause they talk about, they talk about how it's harmful to them. If you don't use, if I don't use their preferred pronouns, I am causing them harm. Right. I am, I'm aggressing them. Right. And so I wrote, I wrote this, I am harmed. I am harmed when an individual tells me to use they and them in a way that contradicts my understanding of those pronouns. Using plural pronouns to reference individual damages my mental well-being. <laughs> if a person insists that their gender is fluid or ambiguous, I don't mind. Oh, my phone shut off. I don't mind using the pronouns it and that uh-huh. when I can't use a person's proper name. For example, it makes me uncomfortable when it is uncertain about its gender. Uh, I feel unsafe around that. That is abusive and oppressive when it tries to control my choice of words. That's right. For some reason, my pronoun choices have rankled some people. Some of them have even shamed me for expressing my genuine feelings. This is a quote that I got. You're speaking about a human being. Your words are disgusting. Even if you do not agree that the use of someone's pronouns uh, do not, you do not get to speak about them as if they aren't human. Mm. And I'm a Christian mom 
to a trans oh. adult who struggles with suicidal thoughts and depression. Wow. My child, yeah. not me. He put that in quotes. Um, Whether I understand my children or not, I know that Jesus loves them enough to die for them. And I know that he understands their suffering and trials with an intimacy I never will. My child is not a that or an it, simply another human being made in God's image. Wow. Uh, you have a comment? You know, I uh, listened to the David Chappelle uh, special on Netflix. I don't recommend it. Um, uh, it, he's, you know, he's, he's always foul. That's just a given with David Chappelle. Mm -hmm. Um, but he kind of hit everybody. He hit Jews, he hit blacks, he hit whites, he hit the LGBT community. He kind of punched everybody in the face mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and his whole point is like, Hey, we need to laugh more. We, you know, we need to laugh at each other and, and you need to stop canceling each other. Um, and so that's why he kind of punched everybody in the face and then he right. inched his stick, his stick talking about this story where he met this transgender dude um, who says he's a girl at a bar. Um, I don't know if that's what, actually where he met her, but that's the scenario. He, he, And they got in a fight, and then they became friends. And then he asked this transgender dude, why don't you open up for my show when I come through San Francisco? And so this this tranny guy um, opens up for his show in San Francisco and wasn't, wasn't funny, really, really bombed it. Um, but then came off the stage, and Dave came on after after him, and and the the transgender dude goes and sits in the uh, in the uh, front row and watches Dave do his show. And during the show, Dave starts talking to the transgender dude, and, and they kind of start laughing, and then the audience starts kind of laughing about their conversation and that kind of thing. And, and well, the, the the guy bombed it on stage, but then kind of won the crowd interacting with Dave on the floor. Um, and then uh, that week, the transgender dude after the com comedy show, the transgender tweeted out defending Dave Chappelle. Well, the, L uh, the trans community like lit this transgender dude up saying, don't defend Dave. He's, he's not on our team and lit this guy up. Well, anyways, a week later, the guy commits suicide. And, and this is, that was a real, real thing. It really did happen. Dave, Dave was talking about a real life thing. Right. And, and so Dave kind of ends the show was saying, you know, I don't care if you're transgender or whatever. You know, what What made us funny in that moment when I was on stage and, and he was in the front row was that we were human. That was, we were human. And and so Dave kind of takes everybody through this journey of kind of making fun of each other, kind of um, poking at cancel culture, and then ends with, um, you know, we're human. And, and he what was so powerful was was he got to a real truth. That's um, we're we're human, like what this mom said, like like this her son or transgender kid, child is made in the image of God. No one denies that. But what we're saying is is that you're you're marring the image of God. You're at war with the image of God when you do this. This is not good for your soul. Right. Uh, but Dave got everyone sympathetic to the scenario and it was great. It was, I mean, it was, I mean, how he did it was really good. You know, um, it was a great, uh, rhetorical maneuver on, on the whole audience. Um, and, and, uh, so, but, but the problem is it's just, so, it's so confused. It's so confused. That, he, go ahead. That is exactly, yeah, that's exactly what I was, uh, getting at. Um, so this, this mother says, my child is not an it or a that, simply another human being made in God's image. That's right. So here's my take, and I want you to respond 
Good. And let me know if I'm off base on this. I said humans only come in two varieties, male and female. Anything that puts itself into a category other than one of those two is not human. Getting mad at me makes no sense. I didn't originate the idea of binary gender. This is ancient stuff that's been around since, well, uh, almost the beginning. Genesis 127. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. So you see, male and female were made in the image of God. But the scripture doesn't mention whose image the gender fluid bear. When a bearded guy in a dress says, I'm not a man or a woman, it's the one who is dehumanizing itself, That's right. not me. That's right. I'm uncomfortable using pronouns that humanize individuals who prefer to identify as something other than human. Right. It causes me to suffer when I'm forced to refer to a life form as in the image of God, when that life form insists it does not possess the basic human attribute of being either a man or a woman. That's right. Furthermore, when you keep insisting that trans beings are made in the image of God, it is you who is denying their identity, not me. Right. That's right, John. Yeah, and I think think that gets at the heart of the dehumanizing factor here, is they're arguing that I'm being more human the more honest I am with them myself, the more human I'm being. So if I if I'm arguing that you know, hey, I, I'm I feel like a woman. Well, their argument is I feel like a woman. I'm being honest with myself, and so therefore I'm actually more human. But right to the heart of your point is no. What what is actually happening there is you're dehumanizing and disconnecting yourself from the human that God actually made you. Right. And and this is. But this is part of what it means to live in a fallen world is where there's real sin and there's and there's real, I think, conflict with who we are. We really are at war with our flesh, the world, and the devil. We really are. And to be at war with our flesh, that goes everything from sexual sin to our identity being made in the image of God. And so um, transgenderism is, is really ultimately a battle, a war, a conflict with who they are made in the image of God. And, and as they fight that, they're actually trying to dehumanize themselves instead of acknowledging who they are, the human that they are made in God's eyes. And I think that's what's so deceptive about what this mom's doing. And that's so deceptive about what Dave Chappelle's doing is right. he got everybody to realize, oh, that they were humans. And that was true. That was a true statement that Dave was doing. But what he got everybody to buy into in that moment is that there's nothing wrong with what this transgender person wanted to identify themselves as. Right. And and that is what became humanity to everybody in that room when when actually, you know, no, this person's living a miserable life. And Well, clearly, clearly, if if it was the guy committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And so how do you how do you rationalize? How do you bring those two things together? If you, it's like, okay, we've identified. He, you can identify as a woman, you know, and we will all affirm you in that. We will all mm-hmm. stand up and applaud and affirm you in that. And he still committed suicide. That's right. So that's right. Something is wrong if you are if you are actually embracing the identity that God gave you. Mm-hmm. It it brings you peace. Of, you don't want to kill yourself when you are in line with who God made you to be. That's right. And here's how Dave ended. And here's how David handled that 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 joke. 
He said, you know, because remember, he was making fun of transgender people the whole time. Jews, blacks, and whites. He made fun of everybody. Mm-hmm. And and to find the comedy in his story at the end, he said, you know, I don't really think um, he kept using she. He was referring to him as a she. So he kept using um, that a, a female pronoun to refer to a man. It was all messed up. But he said, I don't think she was a woman because she walked all the way up on the top story of, of their building and she jumped off and killed herself. That's how she committed suicide. And that's a real part of the story. And he said that because that's a man thing to do. Men throw themselves off buildings. And, and so that he tried to, that was his joke of, right. of kind of cutting through the, 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 the moment there. And it, you know, it's, it's, this is, this is, Unfortunately, you know, I think Dave's kind of lost a little bit of a sight because he's been caught up in all this. He's been fighting cancel culture and everything, right. but then he's also trying to reconcile um this this new morality with his comedy and, and all this. And I think he's kind of lost his way through it all. I think he has too. Well, he's contradicted himself too. If you if you say I don't I don't think it matters how you identify, you can identify however you want. I'm cool with that. But I don't think she was a woman because she jumped off a building. That's a man thing to do. So he's he's in conflict with his own. He doesn't know what he thinks. That's right. That's right. Yep. All right, man. Well, uh, any anything to close out with? I got a, I got a little uh, you surprise. You should download the app if you haven't right. yet. Have, did we mention that already? That's right. The app should be downloaded. You have um, to, to to get your um, your interviews. Mm-hmm. Get the interview and uh, and all of the stuff that you're missing out on if you don't have the app. And and right now John is teaching a class on Hardy Har Hard. Life is Hardy Har Hard. I think you can still join, although you missed some classes, but they're recorded. They're recorded, so those who join can watch the recordings. Um, but yeah. you can go to fightlaughfeast.com, click on university, and you, you'll you'll just miss the first two classes. Not a big deal. Um, but it's uh, on Tuesdays and Fridays, every Tuesday and Fridays for the next seven weeks, and should be a blast. Lastly, lastly. Uh, whenever I announce an interview before it actually happens, it doesn't happen. So I kind of jinx it. But um, so what are you going to do? You're going to announce an interview? I'm going to announce an interview. Um, <laughs> uh, Eric Metaxas is going to be on our Sunday special this Sunday night. What? Yeah, Eric Metaxas. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully my hopefully the water break is not destroying that. So make sure you tune in Sunday night on Rumble, the app, Facebook, all that goodness. Sunday night, 7 p.m., and uh, we look forward to seeing you guys next Thursday. Comedian John Brandy next door, good to have you, brother. We'll see you next Thursday. See ya.